0: Parshat Bishalach and Yitro. We're going to talk about both these Parshiyot. Okay? I would like to dedicate this year... um, Let me ask you a trivia question. When you walk in through this arch, we named this arch. Does anybody know the name of this arch? Wow. Guys, I want you to know something. Okay? Um, Who knows who Yehuda Leib is? Who knows who Herb Kasky is? Hey, there are people who gave of themselves and funded that we could sit in the base basement. Part of our carouser is we owe it to them to know their names. That's my opinion. So you should look around and see all the names that are here. But of all the names that are sitting on these walls, one of them who really deserves the most credit is a fellow named Robbie Rothenberg and his wife, Aline. Because at my son's bar mitzvah, this is now, um, gosh... Uh, he's 30, so, what is this, 17 years ago, right? 18 years ago. Um, and my son's brother, he was sitting with our Aaron, and lady. he talked to me. He said, you know, you, re- you guys should really start a yeshiva. You know, Israelite, the Ari, no, no, no. You need a base manager. You need a yeshiva. Your Torah should be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He was really the one who dreamed of this idea. And he put his money where his mouth was, literally. And he really helped us start this yeshiva. I'm not so sure we'd have a yeshiva if it wasn't for him. And his wife, was a very patient person. And uh, Helene's, Mother, Robbie's mother-in-law, passed away last week. We dedicated last week's shir in her memory. She was a Holocaust survivor. And I don't really understand this, Kosh Bukhu runs the world, but Robbie's mother passed away this week. And he's now sitting Shiva. And so we're gonna dedicate um, this shir in her memory. Her name was Gladys Rothenberg, Golda Rivka, Bat Yitzchak Mordechai HaKoi Rottenberg. Rothenberg. Hey? Um, she was an amazing person. Um, with a heart of gold, and I have to say that the most, one of the most wonderful hospital visits I ever had to a person who was sick, she almost died in a car accident many years ago, uh, was visiting her hospital bed. It was really an amazing experience for another time. So, so if you could pick the theme of this week's Parsha, what would it be? And you should know that in the Musa yeshivas of Chaim Shmuel Levitz, who was the Rosh shiva of the Mir, um, he believed that there was a particular topic one should speak about in the Parsha of Breshalach. Pardon? Nope. The strength of Hashem. That's close. And and bitachon. Right. This Parsha begins. This, this the, the Parsha of Breshalach begins. Um, you know. <laughs> Paro sends the, the Jews away. We talked about this last week. It's kind of strange that it's telling us Paro sent the Jews because that was the whole point, that it had to be the Egyptians in power recognizing Hashem runs the world. The next thing you know, everything is t- right. One minute we're on top of the world, we're getting out of Egypt, and the next minute, the entire Egyptian army is bearing down on us. The sea is in front of us, and there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Right? And the Jews are terrified. And they cry out to HaKosh Baruch Hu. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, like, what are we going to do? And Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, What are you screaming to me for? Which is an unbelievable thing for HaKosh Baruch Hu to say. What else are you going to do? Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. HaKosh They do exactly the right thing. They daven. Hashem says, what are you davening for? And Rashi, incredible Rashi, Lo Eit Atar Leharich this is not the time to daven. There are times in this world where it's not about davening. It's about doing. On October 7th, if you're in an elite unit and you get a message, come, it's not, let's go say Tehillim. You put your gear on and you run off to do what you got to do. And many of them didn't come back. And Nachshon Ben Amin Adav jumps in the water and the world changes. Okay. And the sea splits and you're done. Now it's an interesting question. Last week, they got out of Egypt. This week, the sea splits. But they already got out of Egypt. Why do they need this to happen? Right? Okay. But let's say that they need to see the Egyptian army vanquished. I mentioned this last week, the Ebenezer. There's 600 chariots, 600,000 Jews of army age, and they're frozen in terror because it's all up here. They, 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 they believe the Egyptians are invincible Hashem shows them they're not and that should be it but the Pasha doesn't end the water is bitter the water is sweet there is no water and then a malik comes why is a malik coming at the end of this Pasha? like we got out of Egypt take us to Israel what is that story about now the rabbis notice that when there's no water, they say Hayesha They they cry out to Kashbar. Which is incredible. I mean, they just they they just saw the sea split, right? Like you couldn't and they get to a place called Rifidim and there's no water to drink. Okay? Whose fault is that by the way? Like you're God, you're leading them through the desert, you got the cloud, you got the pillar of fire. Let's take them to a place where there's no water and see what happens. Like what kind of a scenario is that? They're in the desert, of course they're going to get upset, but all right. There's no water. So they start to argue with Moshe, and presumably Aaron, give us some water. What are you arguing with me? What are you testing God? We know you're not supposed to test God. Where does that appear? Rambam. In the Rambam, right? Which mitzvah? The 10th of? The Torah. Of... Good, right? This is, the, this is the text, by the way, if you want to study that topic. Okay? Why'd you take us out of Egypt? Listen to this passage. This is such a powerful person. Tell me what is grammatically wrong here. I will read this verse again. Va'yitsma sham ha'am and the people were thirsty for water. Moshe, and they complained to Moshe. Why did you take us up from Egypt to put me and my children to death through thirst? What's the problem? It's, is it is it singular or is it plural? First it says, Why'd you take us up? Then it says, You're killing me. It should be, you're killing us. Anybody want to suggest an obvious answer? <laughs> huh? Okay, you could say that there's a unity of complaint here. Something more powerful, I think, yeah? Ah! Uh, these complainers are not thinking about Am Yisrael. If they'd come to Moshe and say, I'm worried about my brothers... How can I help? How do we get water for the people who need water? Then I'm worried about Am Okay. But everybody was just worried about themselves. That's never a good recipe. All right. <coughs> so Moshe is fed up with the Jews. They just got through the sea. Like two hours ago. This is crazy. And you know how that concludes? Right. this is the first time you find hit the rock, talk to the rock this is the rock story, the first rock story this place is called Masa Riva. it's the place of argument the place of strife they argued with God, they tried to test God saying, is God amongst us or not? does Hashem run the world? Now that's just mind-boggling. They saw the sea split. They witnessed 10 plagues. They got out of Egypt. And they're not sure if Hashem is there. What is the very next Pasuk? <coughs> By <Yavu> Malik. <coughs> and the rabbis say, <laughs> You think God isn't with you? Amalek will come and remind you. If you think that what happened on October 7th is simply about Hamas, you're missing the point. I don't have the answer to this question and I think it would be arrogant and dangerous to presume I know the answer to this question, but I know it's a question. If what happened to us happened to us, we have something we need to work on. Now I think most people have a pretty clear idea of what it is, right? We were so busy fighting each other, Hashem says, I'm not interested in the Jewish people being in Eretz Yisrael if you're fighting each other. So I'm just going to remind you that you've got worse things to do and better things to do. Nobody's fighting with each other now. You know, there was a... The the 75th anniversary of the Knesset was this week. And Yair Lapid, who's not exactly a fan of Bibi Netanyahu, and has been pretty divisive in his speeches and politics over the last year, uh, it was actually remarkable to hear the rhetoric in which he called for a change. It was... It, it, it's almost like maybe they're learning that we can have a healthier way of talking to each other, right? So Amalek comes. But my question is, and we all know what happens. Amalek fights Amisrael. They almost destroy Amisrael. The, the Jewish people are losing the battle. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up on the mountain, holds up his hands. Remember the story, right? And when they look at Moshe and lifts up his hands then the people are winning and when he drops his hands the people are losing so Aaron and Khur figure it out and they go up and they put him on a rock and they hold up his hands and Yishtabach Shemal. It's like one of these Monty Python moments. Like it's funny but it's not so funny. But what is this doing at the end of Parshat B'Shalach? What does it do to anything? It seems like we took a detour. Okay. now here's another question. So even though it's next week's parsha, it's the next pasuk, right? The next pasuk after all of this is VaYishma'it okay. Yitro, Kohain Midyan. Yitro, who was a priest of Midian, according to some, high priest of Midian, Choten Moshe, he was Moshe's father-in-law. Et kol Moshe ki Yisrael Yitro hears everything that happened to the Jewish people because God took them out of Egypt. He hears about the plagues. He hears about the sea. He's blown away, right? It says it again Discussion for another time. Right. So Gitro picks up Tzipporah, his daughter, Gershom and Eliezer, Moshe Rabbeinu, and Tzipporah's children. Here's their names. Here's what their names mean. Here's why Tzipporah wasn't there. And he brings them all down to meet Moshe. Presumably at Harsinai. Some debate about when exactly this happens. We're not going to go there right now. So the Gemara asks a fascinating question. This is more in Zvachim. It's quoted by Rashi, but I'll read it from the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. This is a Gemara in Zvachim. In Kufta Zayn, the 116th folio of Zvachim, right? And it says like this. Um, so the Gemara says that when it says that Yitro came, he just, this wasn't a geographical journey. He, he was Magyar. He converted. He left pagan idolatry and realized this is truth. And he stood up and he came and he converted to Judaism. Okay. And we're going to see that he is the father of the judicial system in Judaism. So the Gemara says, what did you hear that made him come? Ask me an obvious question. Obvious question. Wow. How quickly we forget. I'm going to read you the passage <laughs> again. V'yishma yitro, kohen midyan, et kol Nei Yisrael. <laughs> Yitro heard everything that happened to the Jewish people when they got out of Egypt. What does the Gemara say? <laughs> what did Yitro hear that caused him to come? That's the obvious question. The Pesach says what he heard. He heard that Hashem took the Jewish people out of Yitzrayim.
1: It's hmm. very
0: strange. What, what, why does the Gemara ask that question? And then, the Gemara gives a bunch of answers. A bunch of answers. Let me ask you a question. If you had to pick... Had I answer that question, how would you answer that question? There are two possibilities. How would you answer that question? Where did Yitro hear? The entire story of the Exodus, because that's what the Pusuk says. But you could say no, that the Gemara wants to get more specific. So in that case, what would you say? What is going to cause Yitro to realize this is the truth and I'm going to come? The C-split. And that makes sense, because this is right after Parashat B'Shalach. But the Gemara actually has a number of different possibilities, which is kind of strange. And what's really interesting is what Rashi says. Rashi doesn't bring them all. He brings one or two. Rashi says like this, right? I just got to find it. What did Yitro hear? The splitting of the sea and the war of Amalek. Now I understand... Why hearing about the splitting of the sea might get you to come? But why would the battle with Amalek get you to come? And why are both quoted by Rashi? Which one is it? It's either Chris Yamsuf or it's Amalek. Why does is, why is Rashi lift both? Like, I hear the splee was split. The Jews got out of Egypt. They're in the desert. They had all these plagues. The sea splits. But I don't know. Oh, the Amalekites came now I'm going to go. I would think that Ambalik is the reason that you wouldn't come. Because that's an indicator that they're going to hate us. And they already hate us. And they're going to hate us forever. Why would you want to be part of that? So how do I understand this Raj? And how do I understand this Gemara? So, I want to tell you two things. First of all, why does the Gemara say what did Yitro hear? And the Pasa clearly tells me what did Yitro hear. So, One possibility. This is one of those moments where I know that I saw this somewhere and I I don't remember offhand when I saw it. I think it might have been in the Sichos Musa of Rechaim Shmulevitz. I will get a chance to look it up over Shabbat and hopefully let you know next week. But it's not Benny Friedman's idea. The Gemara isn't asking what did Yitro hear that he came? The Gemara is asking what did Yitro hear that he actually came? Everybody heard. Everybody heard you couldn't live in the world and not realize that millions of Jews left Egypt. That the army of Egypt was destroyed in a crazy miracle called the Splitting of the Sea. How do I know everybody heard about this? Can somebody prove this to me from a no. Pardon? No. Prove it to me from a Pesach. What do we say? As namogu kol What does namogu mean? It means they trembled. Then did all the Canaanites tremble. The entire world heard about this. Can somebody give me a proof that this fear and this knowledge that the world had wasn't like a fleeting moment, but it was around for a while? Excellent. Because Rachav, when the spies come to Yoricho, she says to them, I know who you are. And I know what's coming. And we're terrified because... because because we know what Hashem did to you when you got out of Egypt. So they still remember this 40 years later. So the whole world heard. So then the question is so what happened? You're living in a world where the sea split, where the Egyptians are vanquished, where blood is, the Nile's turned to blood, and you have a disease which is based on genetical order of birth, which is nuts. And yet nobody comes. Nobody comes. So the Gemara is asking a question, what caused Yitro to actually come? You want to know what got Yitro to come? Kriyas Yamsuf and Amalek. That's what Rashi says. Now before we get to understanding that, let's just take a moment on this thought. Because this is not some esoteric idea from 3,200 years ago. We are witnessing this. The whole world saw after the Holocaust that the state of Israel was born. I mean, it was, it, it, I don't know how you explain the birth of the state of Israel, surrounded by five Arab armies, outnumbered 15 to 1, with no tanks, no planes, no armor, and Israel won the war. Unless you say that Akash Bachelor runs the world. And everybody heard this. And, and then they heard. In 1956, the Israeli army, they basically took out the Egyptian army in, in, in a matter of days. And then they saw the Six-Day War. And they're still sitting there. You know, that's the guy who's drowning and they sent the fish and the boat. and the, right, You remember that story? Mm-hmm. And where was Akash it? Baruch It's unbelievable, our capacity to just ignore what we're not comfortable with. What doesn't fit, what we really want, to the ability to sort of see that Hashem is presenting us with a different reality when we don't want to see that reality is remarkable, and we all do it. And maybe Parshat Beshalach and Parshat Ditro is sending us a message: take a step back. Do we need to see the world differently? Now, I get very nervous. Um, you know, when people pontificate and tell you what you should see. I don't view that as my role. But I definitely think that all of us have to struggle with that question. Because if October 8th is the same as October 6th, then this is all a waste of time. Because Berger has sent us a message and we're not doing anything to think about what it means. And that doesn't mean that I have the answer to the question. You know, some people will say in a post, you know, October 6th war, uh, October 7th world, when presidents of Ivy League universities think that the genocide of Jews is okay, depending on the context, maybe it's time to realize that's not our home. That's not where we want to be educated. And I'm not talking about whether you choose to go to such a university. I could think of a lot of good reasons to go to a university. I could think of a lot of bad reasons. I could think of, and I'm not debating who's right, but I understand a person who says, I want to make a difference. I feel that's where I'm going to get an education. I'm going to make a difference on campus. And I get a person who says, I can't be in an environment like that. It's not where I want to be educated. Those are not the role models I want to, to imbibe from for the next four years. But you have to at least struggle with the question. And that's not the big question. That's the one everybody likes to talk about because it's sexy and it's comfortable. That's not the big question. The big question is, do I want to build a home in America or, or in you know France? Or in the Netherlands, is that where I belong? Or Canada, is that where I belong? Is that where I, do I feel that my children will be safe? Is is that where I want to build a f- Jewish future? And I don't think this is a complicated question, because on the one hand, if somebody was to tell me they're going to be pogroms in college campuses next year, I'd say, calm down, right? Although I have to say that five years ago I would have told that person, okay, you're a fanatic. Today I would say, I see your point of view, which is pretty scary to think about. But if somebody says to me, I don't think you know, American jury will be in a different space 20 years from now, I think we're watching a different movie. So that's the first question. What caused Yitro, Yitro gets something that the world doesn't get. And if you're living in the world at the time, you think Yitro's nuts. But in retrospect, Yitro was the only one who got it. Yitzhak's the guy who stands up. There was, a, those of you who go to Poland, you will be in Warsaw. And Rvitzchak will take you to a show, and he'll share with you a drasha. And, and I'm not doing it justice. Um, it's a drasha that a rabbi there made it, at the end of the 1920s. So it's way before Hitler. So this is after Hitler's putsch when he was put in jail. And he's, he's decided he's going to Israel. The Jews are coming home. that They're longing for a land. They've been told by Lord Balfour we can have a Jewish state, And he says to them, it's time to go home. And he says to his congregation, listen to me. There is no future for us here. They will be carting our children's bodies in wheelbarrows. They will be burying us by the thousands. It's time to leave. It's time to go home. And very few people listen to him. The ones who do were saved. The ones who didn't, they get lost. So, I don't know. But at least it has to be a question. And the second piece, this is fascinating. <coughs> so why a malik? What does it mean, Yicho hears a malik, and that gets him to come? So, the slonimer, uh, in, uh, in his magnificent air. <laughs> Um, the Nesivo, the shalom, He makes a good point. We've spoken a little about this before, but he says it a little differently. He Says there are two types of faith. There is Emunata Sechel. That's the faith that you struggle with. That's the faith that you try to rationalize. You try to argue. You try to make the case. Does God run the world? Does not. If you're struggling with Emunata Sechel, you're struggling with that at Kriyas Yamsuf. Is this a miracle? Or do the lunar tides cause this? Is this just something that happens sometimes? And, you know, you don't have to look far to see miracles that have occurred. And people just, well, it's not really a miracle. Is the Six-Day War a miracle? I don't see how you look at the Six-Day War and the stories of the Six-Day War and don't think it's a miracle. But a lot of people do. And that's Emunat HaSecham. But there's another type of Emunat, which is called Emunat Peshutah. That's an absolute faith. That's a faith that is beyond ruput. That's a faith that has no contest. That's not the faith of Lech Lecha. Avram gets to Lech Lecha, this dialogue with Hashem, and realizes, for whatever the reason, he hears a calling, which the Gemara says, it's not that Hashem was speaking to Avram. Hashem was speaking all the time. Avram was just the only one who heard it. That's what the Gemara says. So Avram starts to look at the world and he says, this makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. They're worshipping idols. I can go over to an idol and I can break the idol. Right? There's a famous medrash. Right? Everybody knows this medrash. Avram's a kid. His father puts him in charge of the idol store. And Avram just thinks it's all ridiculous. So he takes the hammer and he smashes all the idols. But he leaves the big one. And he puts the hammer in the hands of the big one. And eventually he's dead. and now of course he, you know, the part of the medrash that it doesn't say is, now he can relax. He doesn't have to, you know, he gets to watch Netflix, right? So his father shows up. And has a freak out because all his idols are broken. Well, how's he going to make any money? And Avram says, well, I didn't do it. He did it. And, and he looks at the big idol. He's holding a hammer. And his father says, that's ridiculous. And Avram says, of course it's ridiculous. Avram is struggling with that story. Now, do I believe that there was an actual idol store? I once heard a shir from Hamalevich who said that's, prop- that's not the purpose of men. But I also heard once from Rav Medan, who's the Rosh Hashim of Jehovah Gush, who said... You don't have to say there's an idol, but you can't say that you know there isn't one. It could be. So I'm, uh, that's, that's an interesting question. But that's not the point of That The point of that message is how did Avram arrive in his dialogue with God? He had to break down his idols. <coughs> you have to break down your idols in order to develop a relationship with Hashem. If you think that the goal is a college education and lots of money, if that's the goal, then that's your idol. you've got to break that down before you can develop a higher a, a, a doesn't mean you don't go to college. It just means that's not the goal. It's a vehicle, okay. But Avram at Lech Lecha was Emunat Asichel. Avram has to go through ten nisyonot. What's the last nisayon? The Akedah. The Akedah. That's Emunat The Akedah makes no sense. There is no logic to taking your son, your only son, the only son you love, or the son you love so much. The one you were promised by God would be the future of the Jewish people and offering him up on an altar. That makes no sense. That's ridiculous. That's a true Nisayon. It's impossible. The, the root of Nisayon is a nase. In order to be able to get beyond this Nisayon, a miracle is necessary. It's impossible. Shem comes to Avram. I want you to take your son? should say to Hashem, that's ridiculous. Shem says, you're right. Now go do it. Shem comes to the Jewish people and says, I want you to build the state of Israel. Jewish people say that's ridiculous. She you say you're right. Now go do it. There's a nace involved in the Nisayon. It's impossible. And that Emunah, that's a whole different level. That's an Emunah that stands up to anything. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. And that's the goal. The goal is to reach that reality where nothing can undermine your Emunah. Not even October 7th. Now, when the Jewish people leave Egypt, of course they follow Akash Baruch. because Because Hashem demonstrates that He's to- totally taking control of the world. Blood turns to water, and, and, and dirt turns into lice, and fire and water mix, and, and so on and so forth. And when He splits the sea, it's clear that Hashem is so mighty. Of course Jewish people follow Hashem. Then along comes a Amalek. You know what a Amalek introduces into the world? A mullah introduces into the world the concept of doubt. In fact, the gematria of a mullah is safek, because that's a mullah's role. A mullah introduces doubt. And even though they struggle, they still follow. And that fascinates you, A faith that can withstand doubt, that's a whole different level. This I want to see. That's the challenge of Parsha Ditra. Isn't it interesting, Jewish people are struggling before Amalek. When you would think that everything is clear, right? Miracles do not last. The splitting of the sea does not last. That's not what gets us through the night. It's, it's, it's picking up the spear. It's, it's the that we do. It's knowing with absolute certainty that Hashem runs the world, and a p'shutah, beyond my sechel. It's the ability to recognize I am incapable of really understanding what Hashem is doing in the world. It's not answering the question, it's being able to let go of it. That's the al That's That's Am Yisrael. That's why we're still here. That's Parsha Jitro, and that's why it follows B'Shalach. You know? There's so many moments in Jewish history when it just makes no sense. And you look at, at the stories. You know, I, I was in uh, Tel Aviv. It was our anniversary this week. It was our 35th anniversary. <coughs> so it took a day. It was conveniently the day that you, the day after you all went strawberry pickings. That's why I didn't go. Um, you'll learn one day. Go with all the guys, strawberry picking anniversary. That's always going to win. i have a good marriage. And I went to Tel Aviv. You know, spend the night in Tel Aviv. And we were walking around Dizengof. And there were two things I saw that blew my mind. I, I, I haven't been in Tel Aviv in a while. Um, I have kids who live there, but I go to them and help them and come back. I hadn't, and uh, if you has anybody here been to Dizengoff? Okay, so on Dizengoff there are benches for people to sit on. And they're very nice. They have like a little platform there that you can put your coffee on there. Somebody took huge teddy bears, literally almost my size, and put, I guess, red paint or blood on them and put bullet hole-looking holes in them and lay them out. Every bench has a different teddy bear, and there are there are 130 teddy bears. There's one for every hostage, and it hits you. It's like so powerful. You know, you're taking a walk with your wife to anniversary, and all of a sudden you realize you're living in a different world. And then you get to Kikardsenguf, and there's a big circle, and it's you know a big fountain in the middle, and the photos of all the missing and the kidnapped and the hostages, people who fell, people from the Nova Festival photos of them and trinkets from them and it just, it just, it takes your breath away, it just stops you in your tracks and you look at that and you just you just, you can't even comprehend, there's a pain to that place now and that is the fountain that you get swallowed up in of Yagon and and struggling and and the travail but there's an Emunah and that Emunah pshuta, that basic Emunah, that comes because, because our ancestors, they lived through the riots of Kishinev and the riots of khmelnytsky and the Spanish Inquisition and the murders in New York and all the way back and forth. And they're still here. Because we don't get to understand the world. And the yeah. world is so much bigger than our questions. It doesn't mean you stop asking your questions. It's good to have <coughs> questions should struggle with the questions. Emunat HaSechel is valuable. Because Emunat HaSechel, the faith of your intellect, it develops your relationship with Hashem. But it cannot be all. We don't get to pressure Yitro. We don't get to receive Torah in our lives until we accomplish Emunah HaSechel. That's when we're ready to receive something bigger. So, something to think about on Parshat Yitro in memory of Golda Rivka, Bat Yitzchak Mordechai, and Kohen